Hello, Pan-Africanists, and thank you so much for finding the time to listen to this podcast. If it is your first time here, you are very much welcome and we are happy to have you. You can find the Pan-African Review podcast on many podcast distribution platforms, Google, Spotify, Apple, and so many others. In this episode, we'll be having a chat with Dr. Chika Izanya Isdiobu and talk through her article titled From Mother Tongue to Teacher Tongue, Language Diversity in Africa's Changing Nurturing Environment. Well, that and so much more. This conversation is divided in two parts and this is part two. This part starts with me asking Dr. Chika about the principle behind what she calls the language of confidence. You're talking about the language of confidence, which is, of course, the language that you learn when you are that young, while you are home and being attached to your community. And it's true that, you know, for us, uh, most Africans who have, you know, other languages that they speak, the emotions that come with your own language, if you get too angry or too happy, you tend to express yourself in that, you know, uh, language that you spoke first. So obviously, I can't imagine having to numb that so that you get to speak the other language, yeah. And um, you also say something about now Africans being the ones sort of killing their own languages before it was done by the colonial power, but it looks like today Africans are doing it themselves with absolutely no help. That's the reality. That's the sad reality we we find today. Uh, Many African parents, sometimes unintentionally, uh, again, it goes back to having to get to the workplace Uh, And in countries, in Nigeria, for instance, most daycare facilities will speak English to, you know, young children as as young as six weeks or three months, depending on what age. Um, Most daycares, even in places where a particular language is spoken. And that's actually the first thing that parents have to deal with. So if a child has to spend 12 hours or 10 hours at a facility where English is spoken, and that child spent five days a week minimum in that facility from three months, uh, the child gets home and cannot understand the mother tongue anymore after a period of time. And we see. So when we started out the article by, by talking about the need for children to spend more time, you know, hanging around mom, I know I'm a woman and I'm glad I had to be the one to write that article because a man might be accused of being <laughs> sexist. Why would it be the woman? But that is reality. That is real. What we can do as women is not to fight off reality, but advocate for um, ways to make our reality more, more um, acceptable and more convenient. Like you talked about, if you had your mom with you going to work with you with the baby and your workplace admitting your mom as a staff, you know, and even paying her some stipend to be in a room and for you to make hourly visits to, or a couple of hourly visits, depending on how your baby would feed. Wouldn't that be a better advocacy for us as women? I mean, <laughs> that would be heaven. <laughs> you know, clearly. Or have, or have an auntie or a close relative. I mean, that would be the things which, for not for our sake, because I know as women, we care for the next generation. A woman really does feel it in her heart. When um, a child just turns out not being able to connect emotionally with siblings, with people, with even her as the mom. If we do want children who are social, emotionally um, learned, who are able to connect and who can contribute, we don't want doctors who are robots. We want doctors who can connect with patients 
I want a doctor who will look at me and say, I will try my best for you. Not because he's going to be paid a million dollars for the surgery, but because he looks, he connects with me emotionally as a fellow human being. You know, I know someone who left the United States to go to an African country for, to come for surgery. And I asked her why. She said, because doctors here just want my money. I don't connect with them. And she went to an African country. I want a doctor who will see me as a human being. And she couldn't find that anywhere in the United States. She had her insurance, everything. But she went to Africa, did her surgery successfully. And just to let you know what is lacking in many societies that we still do have to an extent in Africa, we don't want to lose that emotional connection. We don't want to lose that. So we have to um, look for ways to strengthen strengthen the next generation, not deprive them of life. And the article you talk about, I'm glad you mentioned the depression, you know, part of it, depression article, because it's the foundation. A lot of kids grow up feeling empty emotionally, feeling um, this void, and they can't explain it. So this is, I, I live in LA at this time, and, you know, we hear stories of Hollywood, successful Hollywood artists, wealthy, you know, committing suicide, Suicide rate is so high among medical doctors. That connection, that deep felt satisfaction you get from being human. When you were put out there in the daycare, when you didn't have somebody loving you for being human, for just being you, just happy that you are you, the, the, the impression is that life is all about, all about the next thing. And yeah. then your mom is already talking about your results, two and three years old. And that makes the... That is just the worst thing we can do to kids. Yeah, it's true that um, definitely your article on uh, depression, suicide, and the idea of progress among young Africans is something that we really need mm. to discuss because you talk about the loss of the connection to community, the Ubuntu that we have as a heritage that should really keep us through going through life, you know, and be happy individuals without being, you know, capitalistic do doing do do like individuals that just are there to do instead of being individuals that you know are live that are living uh, i'd like to ask you a last question you say in the article that africa wants to copy a lot of things that are happening in the west which is not necessarily a good idea but apparently worse so is that we are even copying the wrong things so do you want to say something about that Sure, Cynthia. Thank you. I, I I think it's part of what I had alluded to earlier in terms of looking at the at, at the West. Okay, looking at Western world as, and seeing women going off to work. I I know someone who said, "Oh, I want to be the president of the United States of America, and I want to be but I want to be Hillary Clinton." Hillary Clinton. Nobody, no one knew about him until Chelsea was probably about to go off to college in high school, right? And when we talk of Michelle Obama, she made it clear that she would be, you know, she had, she moved in, in she moved into the White House with her mom because her kids were so young the first time she had to, you know, be the, the first lady. Her mom moved in with the family to help, you know, to be there for the kids who were still, I guess they were in elementary school and um, middle school, I think, the first time. So what we were saying that when we want to copy the West, we want to look at the globe, the technological advancement, the economic advancement, but we don't really see that when we look deeper, the Western world is still in some way connected when it comes to this, uh, some of these realities that we talk about today. In some way, in some way. So some who are on who understand 
around, you know, understand that you just cannot leave, um, you know, the next generation to themselves in this, in the drive for technological advancement, in the drive for economic advancement. I saw an article in the latest issue of Pan-African Review talking about the, 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 the separation of science and technology is a, I'm sorry, science and the arts is a is poisonous to the continent. And that's exactly the same way. So we, we want to copy technological advancement, but the West did not advance by focusing on technology. The West advanced by building education as a holistic, you know, exercise, arts, technology, sciences, and, you know, able to come up with this, what we see today as development. But in Africa, we're turning our back on the arts, on the social sciences, and that's part of, part of that has to do on the humanities. Humanities also has to do with the social emotional aspect of connection, of community. We're turning our back on that, and we're focusing on technology. Remember, the West we know today is not the West of about 30 years ago. Something happened when, with Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, the whole ultra-capitalist transformation that took place at that time set the course for um, what is actually the decline of the West in, in the real sense of it, as many will tell you. So the whole emphasis on um, what is there for the capitalist that Thatcher and Reagan set in place, it's called Reaganomics uh, in some areas, and you know, set in place, um, it has led to the spiraling of what we understand to be the West today. Manufacturing has all but fled from the United States. Um, of course, Europe is it's the same. Too. And when did that start? So the West we are trying to copy today is not even the West, the foundational, the foundational uh, West that brought about advancement. It's something completely different. And with what is happening to the West is in decline and Africa is trying to copy a declining West. The thing is for Africans to, to step back, get again grounded in what is authentically African with respect for whatever advancement is to be learned from elsewhere. This is not either or, it is not either the West or Africa or either the East. When we say East, we are talking of Asia. Is just being open to understand that there is something here in Africa and there, there are things in other places. And you build with what you have, not what you borrow. So let Africans start to build with whatever it is that we have and remove the things that we used to have that, or rather that, we, that we've always had that won't work for us anymore. There is so much about us that we need to get rid of. That is fact. The same thing with every other place. No civilization is perfect. Africans must look inwards and find out what is positive about the, the positive things about the continent and the negative things to be definitely, you know, eschewed. And then what are the positive attributes of other places that we can borrow and work on and find if it will suit our existing reality as we also give those communities what we have for them to borrow if they are, you know, and that's how the world functions, interdependency. So that is what we hope Africans will, you know, rise up to as we go along in this journey 
to be better. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Chika Izanya Isiopu, for finding time to have a conversation on the Pan-African Review. I hope that uh, we get to speak soon about uh, your article on depression, suicide, and the idea of progress among young Africans, which is also very, very important, which is something that we really need to unpack for the whole generation uh, of young adults right now. I think we need to hear a lot uh, of the things that are in there. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cynthia. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pan-African Review podcast. Follow the Pan-African Review on social media for more updates.